Today's episode of the Roma Press Podcast is brought to you by FantasyCityA.com, which is brought to you by Euro Fantasy League. For the very best online City A fantasy football game, look no further than FantasyCityA.com. The most up-to-date statistics, the best gameplay, the easiest gameplay. Again, look no further than FantasyCityA.com. Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Well, again, welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm Roma Press Editor John Solano. Uh, Roma 2, Empoli 0. Fantastic performance. Um, actually, let me rewind that. Not a, fan, not, not a fantastic performance. That second half certainly could have been infinitely better. First half, no complaints from me, frankly. But, you know, in the end, are we really going to complain about the three points? We can get into the specifics in a little bit here. No Andy this time, just going to be me discussing this match. But first, have to thank our latest patron, Eric, who you can find on Twitter, at Eric, S-C-O-R-S-O-N-E. Again, that's at E-R-I-C. S-C-O-R-S-O-N-E. Eric, thank you for supporting the podcast. If you would like to become a patron, support the Roma Press podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Roma Press or go to the support tab on aromapress.us. You can get extra episodes of the podcast. You can get early access to the podcast, and you will also be giving us a huge, 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 huge lift um, because this isn't possible without your support. So thank you again to all of those of you who have become patrons. Thank you, Eric, for becoming a patron. And again, um, thank you to all of you who listen, to all of you who support patrons. Uh, again, this is not possible without any of you. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So Empoli Roma. Wow. Um, really couldn't think of a much better way to enter the international break than, uh, than in this manner. Listen, Roma needed, absolutely needed three points, especially coming off the heels of an important Champions League result. They had to give con- continuity to their results in the league. You know, Roma, as much as we made of their really, really poor start, in the league, you know, if you look at the City A table, uh, they're they're really not the only ones who have gotten off to a bit of a slow start. So, yes, you know, um, it, it was a little concerning. Obviously, the results against Kievo, the results against Bologna, Atalanta, because let's be frank here, those three teams, um, not so good. Uh, Kievo, bottom of the table, Bologna. 16th, Atalanta, 17th. So, you know, in those, that seven drop points between those three teams, uh, drop two against Kievo, two against Atalanta, and then three against Bologna in the loss. You know, as I've been saying the last three or four podcasts, the stretch that Roma are sort of getting over now in the league, 
was by far, by far the easiest run that they had throughout the entire year in the league. They had Chievo at home. They had Atalanta at home. And then they had Bologna, who are very, 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 very poor. You know, I, I've watched them a number of times just because the addition of people in Zaghi to me is intriguing. Um, but just a terrible side. They really lack quality in attack. And Roma shipped two to them. So I don't really know what to make of those drop points. You know, the old saying is at the end of the season, the latter stage of the latter stages of the season, you always tend to regret the points that you dropped earlier in the season, which in this case, I really hope does not, you know, become true at the end of the season because seven points is massive. I mean, that is the difference between Champions League, Europa League, often that's the difference between Scudetto and second place. So, you know, it's not like they had just one bad result. They had a string of poor results. Even against Milan, that was really, 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 really poor. And Di Francesco was on the brink. Now, it seems that he's turned that around, which is great. I think this is a second, this is a second season in a row after I call for him to leave that things seemingly turn around. Now, I want to clarify, I, I have mentioned in the, in the past that he should leave, but none of that is really personal or, you know, me feeling the need to have a manager just get sacked for the sake of sacking him. I've always maintained on this podcast that Roma's financial situation is far too delicate to miss out on the Champions League. And even if it's a manager who is going on a string of poor results. Roma just cannot afford that. They cannot afford to miss out on the Champions League. Now, what they've done in these last two weeks has certainly turned around their season, without question. I mean, they were you know mid to lower table, and now Roma find themselves in fifth place. Now, obviously, Inter still has to play as I record this. Sassuolo still has to play as I record this. But between second where Napoli are currently, and let's see, Fiorentina, Parma. Okay, so Napoli are in second with 15 points. Parma are in ninth with 13. So Sassuolo, Inter, Napoli, they have matches in hand. But still, nonetheless, the gap between second and ninth, which is seemingly mid-table, is still really, really large. And... The only saving grace to Roma's really poor run to start the season has been that other teams have been just as poor as they have. They've been just as bad. Um, Napoli obviously looked good. They were fantastic, in my opinion, against, against Liverpool in the Champions League. Lazio obviously looked extremely poor against Roma in the Derby. Sampdoria, in my opinion, very, very strong. I would not be shocked at all if Gianpaolo is at a big club next season because I, I think he's a fantastic manager. He's like a, a, a microscopic version of Sarri. Obviously, they play different formations, but the concepts, the formation-based football really is quite similar. Roma, Inter, Sassuolo, all of these teams are playing really, really well. And then you have Milan, who won today against Kievo, 3 nothing, and they also have another match in hand uh, from the one that was at the beginning of the season that – was postponed. So 
Anyway, that's sort of the big picture. But let's get back a little bit to Roma Empoli. Now, the first half, I thought, was really, really strong. I thought that Roma could have had another goal or two. I was really, really happy to see Steven Nzonzi get his first goal for the Giallorossi because, in my opinion, in that first half, I thought he was arguably the best on the pitch. You could have made the argument he, Derossi, or Pellegrini, perhaps Under, were the strongest uh, for Roma in the early onset. In that first half, I was really pleased to see the defensive solidity. Um, Fazio Manolas, they really weren't under any pressure in that first half. Davide Santon, who I will get into in a little bit here in, in greater depth, but... I know anyone who follows me, I've been tweeting about him nonstop. Uh, I've seen some Inter fans have even tried to troll a little bit on this. But that's fine because I, I don't even know how to properly find the words to describe how good David Santon has been. I mean, th- he had another fantastic performance. He didn't put a single foot wrong. You know what? Forget it. I'm just going to get into my rant now. I'm not going to save it for later because this is something that's on my mind. Um, and I know I've said it at least two or three times on the podcast, but I thought he was just so unfairly treated upon arrival in the season preview. I mentioned that I wasn't one of the ones who who were, you know, not abusing because that's too strong of a word, but slating the guy that you know that's probably an appropriate you know verb to use i didn't slay him because honestly the the expectations for santon coming into the season were quite low he was arriving as essentially a third choice at the time on on both flanks i mean if you think about it on the right florenzi karstorp and then on the left you had kolarov you have luca pellegrini i mean everybody coming into the season was slating santon but I really wanted to try and reiterate that this guy was at worst going to be a third choice player and you know worst case scenario he's your third choice he's playing 15 matches in the season making perhaps 20 appearances and he's playing against the smaller sides and you know that will boost his confidence if he performs well because I truly think I, I and I'm not just saying this because I thought he would be a good addition, and obviously he's doing well now, and I'm trying to you know throw in people's faces. But I truly think he is he he was one of those players that needed a change in scenery. You know, sometimes a player just gets so stuck in the mud where they are with their current club that the only way to get out of it is by leaving, and they just have poor performance after poor performance with their current club, and there's no way of getting out of that cycle. And again, the only way to break that is by leaving. And I, I, I truly did think that he was one of those players that could benefit from a move away from Inter. Now, I watched him several times, several, several, several. There is no doubting that he was very, very, very poor with Inter, especially this past season. This past season, there were I'm sorry, this past season, the previous season, uh, 2017-2018, he was very, very poor. I mean, we all saw, I mean, if, if you didn't watch much of him, I mean, the perfect summary for his season last season was when uh, Roma, I, I believe it was a, a draw, one-to-one if I'm not mistaken, El Shadawi scored a goal on a mistake from Davide Santon after Alisson uh, launched the ball forward. Uh, Santon had a mistake at left back. Uh, El Shadawi grabbed the free ball and he, he, he scored past Handanovic. Now, 
if you didn't watch any of him last season, that goal right there that you perhaps may or may not have watched was the perfect summarization to his tenure at Inter. Even even his first tenure before he went to Newcastle. I was a huge fan of him. I wanted him at Roma because I thought he was so, so strong. Now, obviously, he fell victim to the, you know, he's the next um, Maldini comparison. And that is just so unfair. It's sort of like what we're seeing right now with Donnarumma and Buffon. It's just so unfair to, to, to classify these players and compare them to just Italian legends. But anyway, I truly think that his confidence was just so low that a move away and a new environment, a new manager, a new uh, a new city, new fans, a new a new training center. I, I I thought that was going to benefit him, and 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 truly, because I I, I had the opportunity to meet him um, in America for for the first time uh, during uh, Roma summer tour. He's a fantastic guy. He's very very nice, and I am just so happy to see him performing well. I I just I I, I can't say enough. I. I the abuse that he arrived to was embarrassing. I'm I'm sure many would go back and like to erase some of the tweets where they were just abusing the guy nonstop. And that's fine. You know, you can have your opinion about a player before he arrives, especially if you saw if you've seen him play. But you know, I'm just not a fan of absolutely dismantling a player before he even steps onto the pitch for the club. So to see him performing well, defying expectations, he's thriving under Di Francesco, absolutely thriving. I'm just so, 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 so pleased for him. And, you know, the, the thing that sticks out to me with Santon is when he arrived, I don't know if many of you remember, I believe I have some video or at least a picture of it when he initially arrived at uh, Fimesino in Rome. Monchi was the one now he he doesn't do this often he does not do this on a consistent basis i i, I wouldn't even say consistent i i don't i, I can't think of any oper, any other time where monchi welcomed a player monchi saw all the criticism that santon was receiving in the media on social media from fans and he took it upon himself to greet santon at the airport in rome upon his arrival and to me, that's just so symbolic to an extent, almost, you know, almost very genuine, very heartfelt that it was almost like Monchi sort of knew from the start that maybe he didn't know from the start that he would be performing this well. But it's almost like Monchi was giving him his full trust from the start, even though a majority or at least a lot of fans were not willing to do so. So I'm so glad for Santon again. So, so happy. And listen, Monchi received a ton of criticism from this past summer. I thought the market was good. I, I didn't have many qualms with what he did in the transfer market, but I can understand why many did. Many considered it a total teardown. And again, I wouldn't describe it that way, but many did. But nobody, and I mean nobody, saw this coming with Santon, or at least didn't see it coming to this extent. So I'm so happy for him. And you could even make the case that he's been the best fullback for Roma this season. Florenzi Kolarov haven't been great. Karsdorp has not been good. I mean, he's in the stands in a Champions League match. 
for goodness sake. Luca Pellegrini, very, very good against Empoli, but obviously that was only his second or third appearance, if I'm not mistaken. So he has a long way to go. You could genuinely make the case that Davide Santon has been the best fullback, regardless right or left, for Roma this season. And again, nobody saw this coming, and you have to give Monchi credit for that. You absolutely have to give Monchi credit for that. So... Happy for him. Happy for Monchi. And Di Francesco really has seemed to found a little bit of a, I won't call him a secret weapon, but a, a, another a, another tool at his disposal in Davide Santon. So very happy for, the, for, for, for that. So back to the match. First half good, second half, oof, not good at all. Roma totally shut it off. Empoli, they were given a penalty that was missed. Horrible by Caputo who should have had at least one goal to his name on the day. In my pre-match uh, preview that I wrote for Euro Fantasy League, I mentioned that Caputo is very, very prone to the offside. And I don't know what he was thinking. His timed runs were terrible. I, he must have had at least four or five offside calls, maybe more. But he was so, so poor. The second half, though, again, very anti-football play from Roma. They were sitting back. I have to say, the the changes that Di Francesco made at about the 75th minute, he brought on Cristante Juan Jesus. He went to three at the back. I was very, very confused by that. I was very, very confused. It didn't make much sense to me. Roma have not looked good at three at the back at all, at any point. Since um, since Di Francesco arrived, except against Barcelona, obviously, except against Barcelona, it was that caveat. But I mean, think against Liverpool, they did not look good when they went to three at the back against Milan this season. They did not look good. So I was really, really shocked to see him go to three at the back. Fazio, again, did not have a great match. He kept getting caught out and I didn't understand why Caputo was showing that he could not manage to stay on side. Just hold your line. But for some reason, Fazio, uh, he, he kept getting caught out. And I was getting really, really frustrated. Who else uh, really stood out in that second half that was really poor? Uh, the defense was just all over the place, especially when Di Francesco went to three at the back. It was a really, really odd move in my opinion. But in the end, ultimately, uh, the anti-football paid off because... Uh, El Shadawi got the ball and he fed a beautiful, a beautiful pass to Edin Dzeko who buried it and made it 2-0 and put the results um, out of question and gave Roma the three points. Now, just very quickly, match ratings. I'll do them on my own. This is going to be super fun just because there's no one to debate the number with. But for me, Robin Olsen, another steady Eddie performance, at least a six, six and a half for me. Many people were quick to jump down his throat and uh, the early on, especially against Torino. But you really haven't heard much in terms of praise or criticism in regards to Olsen. And to me, that's a good thing. I mean, clearly, clearly the, the less we're speaking about Olsen, the better, because that, that means he's just doing his job. He's being very steady. But you, you have to applaud him. You absolutely have to applaud him because... He has done well. He has looked assured of himself. He doesn't look careless with the ball that he did like he did at times against Torino and some of the other early matches. Uh, I was very happy for him. 
Um, and then we have Davida Santon, six and a half, maybe a seven. Again, I, I, I won't go into my long rant regarding him again, but I thought he was really strong. Manolas, six. Uh, Fazio will go six, though in my opinion it, it could be a little lower just because, again, he was called out a couple of times. Pellegrini, Luca Pellegrini, didn't talk much about him. I would give him a six and a half. He looked great. The only mistake he made was he gave a free kick away in a very dangerous position just outside of Roma's area. It ultimately hit the post. Uh, obviously, you don't like to see that, but he looked very assured of himself. Physically, he was very, very strong on the ball. He didn't lose the ball many times going forward. He looked great. The overlapping runs with El Shadawi, he looked very assured of himself. So I thought he had a really, really good performance. Inzonzi, Dadalsi, uh, six. Inzonzi, for me, you can make the case that he was the man of the match. I would give him the man of the match, but I could understand why why some would go with uh, Jekko or, or somebody else. But he was my man of the match, or you, I guess you could even say Pellegrini was a man of the match because he had a, another fantastic performance as a number 10. But for me and Zonzi, at least a 7.5, he was fantastic. Again, he's another guy criticized in the early goings very, very often. But he just looks so assured of himself. And the class that he oozes in the middle of the park is just undebatable. He is so, so strong. And he brings a quality that, frankly, Roma have lacked for some time. And he and Terossi, despite my trepidations, they are forming a nice little partnership there in the middle of the park. And it allows whoever is playing as that number 10 role to not have as many defensive duties and gives them a little more free range and attack. So I was happy with Nzonzi, happy with Terossi. El Shadawi, uh, as we go to the attack now, El Shadawi, anonymous performance aside from the assist, very anonymous performance. And again, El Shadawi, he's just one of those guys who drifts in and out at times. And it's disappointing to see because these are the types of matches where he should be bagging goals. He really should. So for me, just because he had the assist, I'll give him a six. Lorenzo Pellegrini, I mean, what can we say about this guy? I mean, fantastic. This, this new role that he has as a number 10, uh, Trequatista, he just looks so much more capable, so much more confident, so much more assured of himself. And he said it uh, a match or two ago that when he is playing in that role and Zonzi and Derossi are behind him, it gives him a little more peace of mind. And maybe that's all he needed. Again, he did not look good as a Metzala. He did not seem to look comfortable at any point, and that led to many, including myself, questioning if he was even any good to begin with. So you have to give credit to Di Francesco for figuring out and sort of pushing the right buttons for Pellegrini because he looks so much more assured of himself, and he looks so, so strong. Cengiz uh, Under, he was another steady Eddie, um, very steady performance. I would give him a, a six and a half. He probably could have had a goal to his name. He just looks so much more confident after that that goal against Frozenone. It looks like something is sort of unlocked with him. So very happy to see him performing at a higher level. Jekko, I would give him a 7. He had the goal, but even if he hadn't a score, I was very pleased with his performance because his work rate in this match was fantastic. And he continues his, his very strong scoring run now. After his performance uh, in the Champions League against Pilsen, he's able to notch another goal in the in the league and I'm very pleased to see that because again this team is so much more different when he is scoring so again 
Jekyll, good performance. Um, Cristante did not look good coming on. Neither did Juan Jesus when they were introduced. Not good at all. I would give them both five and a halves. Juan Jesus lost the ball several times early on, and then Cristante could not get a pass right in the first five to ten minutes of being introduced. So very poor cameo roles for them. Very, very poor, which is disappointing because Cristante had a very, very, very good performance in the derby against Lazio. So I was a bit disappointed to see him drop off a bit. And then we had Florenzi, who was also introduced to, I mean, not great, not bad. We can give him a six, I suppose. And then Di Francesco, again, did not like the changes at all. I did not like the substitutions even remotely. Going to three in the back was confusing. I thought he should have been more proactive in his changes and not turn it off and sit back at the 75th minute, but it is what it is. I'm not going to I'm not going to chastise him too much because Roma ultimately got the result. They were able to hang on, but even he admitted in his post-match press conference that Empoli deserved something more, and I, I couldn't agree more. Empoli were very hard done, in my opinion. Obviously, they missed a penalty. They could have easily made the case that they deserved at least a draw because Roma really, really, really turned it off in that second half, which was disappointing. But they got the result. They got the three points. So I won't chastise Di Francesco too much. I'll give him a six or a six and a half, but not really much beyond that. So three points in the bag entering the international break. Roma looking much, much better now than they did two weeks ago and potentially save their season, which was so needed. They, they couldn't have gone on anymore, not even for a second, playing like they did against Bologna. They, they, it, it was on borderline calamity and disaster, and they, they, they've righted the ship. Credit to Di Francesco. Again, if they had played this match a month ago, I am entirely convinced that they drop points. So it was good to see the tide turn a little bit and to see things finally go their way. So going to wrap this episode up again, a big thank you to all of our patrons. Also have to thank the wonderful, wonderful people at Euro Fantasy League, where you can find a variety of fantasy football games, including fantasy-champions-league.com, which is their new Champions League game. Again, that's fantasy-champions-league.com. So we will do something during the international break. I don't know who we'll have on, but we will have somebody on, a journalist, um, a supporter. I don't know. We'll find someone to discuss the first quarter or so I guess it's not even quarter. Um, for first fifth, we can say, of Roma's league campaign and sort of do an assessment as to where we are right now and take stock of the season so far. So thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time, ciao.